if you will. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 25. We'll look at two passages from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25 and then also Proverbs 18. <clears throat> and uh, can you hear me in the back okay? Something that sounds a little different for some reason. And uh, anybody hear, everybody hear me okay? All right, good. Nobody, if you fall asleep back there, I'll know you can't hear me. And, uh, so <laughs> and I've told you a story before about the guy who went to sleep in church and, <clears throat> or fell asleep in church. And the um, pastor, he'd seen him sleep in church quite often. He said, hey, somebody wake that guy up back there. And the guy next to him said, hey, man, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. And uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> all right, Proverbs chapter 25, and uh, while we were shaking hands, got a great report from Brother Ray Daniel, man, that's tremendous, and uh, we praise the Lord for that, good report from the doctor, and uh, that's a blessing, we want to, uh, you know, as, as, as much as we pray and ask God to do things, we, we want to we wanna praise the Lord when he does them, and uh, we want to live in that attitude of praise, and uh, so we thank him for that. Proverbs chapter 25, let's stand together, please. Proverbs chapter 25, and we'll read one verse, and then we'll flip over to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 25, and uh, verse number 28. Proverbs 25, and verse number 28. The Bible says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit. I want you to, if you mark in your Bible, underline the word spirit. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down. And without walls. And then I want you to flip over to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 14. Proverbs 18, verse 14. The spirit of a man, there's that word again, the word spirit, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Bear. I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, the power of your attitude. The, the power of your attitude. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the privilege we have to be in church today. I pray that you'd help me in these few moments that we'll spend together. Father, I want to be a blessing to these folks. I want to be a help and an encouragement. I want uh, them to have something that they can take home with them today and use throughout the week and, and uh, so that they can be closer to you and, uh, and, and more of what you would have all of us to be. Father, uh, it all begins with our attitude, and I pray that you'd help us to see it and uh, cultivate a good, right spirit within ourselves and within others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> the word attitude does not appear in the Bible. Uh, you can look long and hard for the word, the word that we use, attitude, and you won't find that specific word. However, a lot is said in the Bible about your attitude, about our attitude. In the Bible, it is the word spirit, uh, lowercase s-p-i-r-i-t, the, uh, the word spirit, and it's, uh, it's synonymous with our attitude. And uh, those of us who are saved, we'll get to it in just a few moments, but we have living inside of us the Holy capital letter S, Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit works in our spirit. Uh, he wants to do a work in my heart, but if my attitude, if my spirit is not what it ought to be, then the Holy Spirit is limited in what he can do in me and through me. And so it's very important that we have the right spirit. The word attitude, as I said, does not, does not itself appear into our, in our Bible, but the word, uh, the, the, our attitude is a little thing, someone said, that makes a big difference. 
A little thing that makes a big difference. The Bible speaks about Daniel in Daniel chapter 6. I won't have you turn to it. But uh, in Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 3, the Bible says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, Daniel, as you think about this, uh, this man, this Bible character, Daniel, and Daniel's one of my favorite characters uh, in uh, all the Bible, not just the Old Testament, but as you think about and study the life of Daniel, you find that he had plenty of reasons uh, to fail. He had plenty of reasons to get bitter. He had plenty of reasons to throw in the towel, plenty of reasons to say, you know what, life really just isn't worth it. I think I'll just quit and, uh, and, and just uh, do my own thing. Uh, think about it. This, this character, Daniel, he was a prisoner of war from his youth. From just as, a, as just a young man, <clears throat> Daniel uh, was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire, the Chaldeans, and he was taken back to Babylon as just probably a teenage uh, a teenager, or at the oldest, a young adult man, uh, Daniel uh, was taken to this strange land and he was re-educated in the ways of the Babylonians, he could have become bitter. In fact, it's very likely that Daniel, before he was ever taken captive, it's very likely that Daniel witnessed the execution of his own family members. That would make you bitter. That would cause you to have a bad spirit. That might would cause you to, to, uh, uh, to, to shake your fist in the face of God and say, why is this happening to me? But Daniel didn't do that. In fact, the Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. He could have become bitter. He could have thrown in the towel. He could have adopted the attitude of God hasn't been fair to me. But Daniel was an amazing success story. He was a man of conviction. He was a man of determination. He was a man of courage. I think I, uh, I love the passage in Daniel chapter 1. In verse number 8, the Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel was a courageous young young man, a man of backbone, a man of integrity. By the way, two things you don't find very much in society anymore. But, uh, but Daniel, this incredible uh, youth of, uh, of integrity and character and discipline, but all of this stems from the fact that Daniel had, an, had a, a great spirit, an excellent spirit, a wonderful attitude that honored God. He personified that statement that your attitude determines your altitude. You ever heard that? Your attitude determines your altitude. How high you go in life, your measure of success, however you may define success, but much of it is determined by your spirit, by my spirit. Uh, you know, if you're saved, you have an advantage in this life that the world knows nothing about. You really do. If you're saved this morning and uh, at the end of the service, generally I'll ask for a show of hands about how many of you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. Boy, what a wonderful thing it is to be able to raise your hand as a testimony to the fact that I know that I'm saved. But if you are saved, for those of us who know Christ, who have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ that comes by grace through faith at salvation, we have a tremendous advantage over the unsaved world in this matter of our attitude. Think about it. Uh, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. The unsaved world can't say that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, the Bible says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? 
The Holy Spirit himself lives inside of us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Hey, if you're saved, you've got the spirit of God in your inner man. Ephesians three sixteen tells us, hey, what an advantage. What an advantage. You don't have to look at life as being, or the, the, the glass of life as being half empty. You can look at it as half full. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Man, what a great advantage we have. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to do and to will of his good pleasure. Understand something. God himself lives inside of you. He took up residence in your body the day you trusted Christ. Why in the world should we walk around with our bottom lip dragging the ground? Well, we ought to have a good attitude. We ought to have a wonderful spirit about us. Here's Daniel, an excellent spirit permeated this young man. And now, it wasn't because he was looking at the circumstances. Because the circumstances were pretty bad as far as he was concerned. His mom and dad were gone. His family was taken away from him, or, or rather he was taken away from his family. He's living in a strange land. He's got strange customs. He's been made to do strange things. And yet he has maintained that excellent spirit. And, and the next time you read about Daniel, he is one of the three vice presidents of the Babylonian Empire. That's not bad. <laughs> I say he did okay for himself. Hey, and we understand that God was with him, but guess what? God was working in his spirit. Hey, and if God's going to work in me, if God's going to accomplish his will through my life, boy, we've got to somehow maintain a godly spirit, a good attitude, the power of a good attitude. Hey, not only do you have the spirit of God living in you, but you have the word of God. You have the word of God. My Bible is like a GPS for life. Isn't that good? A GPS for life. Hey, you just, <clears throat> hey, plug in where you want to go. Hey, I want a happy life. There you, there you have it right there. There you have it. God's given us this roadmap. We talked a little bit in Sunday school about the path that Ruth chose and uh, to live with Naomi and go back to Bethlehem with her. Hey, what a wonderful path. Hey, <clears throat> I'm telling you, the Bible's my roadmap. The Bible's my GPS. The Bible contains the answers to all of life's problems. Hey, the principles found in this blessed book will lead us to happiness and joy and fulfillment. Hey, I'm simply saying, why in the world could we not have a good attitude? We have a Bible. We got the words of God. It tells me where to go. It tells me how to live. It orders my steps, the Bible says. In, in Psalm chapter 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. My steps are ordered by the Lord. Hey, how do we do that? Through his word. Through his word. It's amazing how, many, how we complicate our lives on a daily basis because we ignore the principles that God gave us in his book. Hey, you know, th th this isn't a good luck charm. This isn't a rabbit's foot. You know, some people, they treat their Bible like, well, you know, I, I just keep it. And, and, and by the way, it ought to have an important place in your life. And I don't think you ought to abuse the Bible. I think you ought to cherish it. And I think it ought to have a, a prominent place. It's not just a, a textbook. It's not just a reference book. It's not just a book of dead, dry theology. No, it's, it's your pattern for living. It's God's love letter to you. <clears throat> it's something that God gave to me, as, and it directs my path. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Hey, I'm simply saying, cherish that book, but don't treat it like it's some kind of a good luck charm. You got to apply the principles to your life. You got to live by it. You got to read it. You got to study it. You got to meditate upon it. Hey, God promises success to not, not just Bible owners. <laughs> oh, preacher, I got a Bible. You know, there's one on the coffee table in the den. 
Hey, we got a big family Bible sitting there, man. It's oh, it was it was great grandma Susie's and 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 her uh, daughter, and then it's passed on from generation to generation, and we treat it as if it's some kind of a a a, a, a charm or something like that, just to keep the the booger man away. <laughs> no, no, you got to read it. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto, according to thy word? That's, that means you got to know what it says. And you've got to apply its principles to your life. But hey, we've got this advantage uh, of have, for having a good attitude because we've got the Word of God. Then I want you to see not only that, you have not just uh, the, the Word of God and not just the Spirit of God, but you have the will of God that is revealed to you in His Word. The will of God. Uh, so if we, are, if we as saved people enjoy all of these advantages, why is it that so many of God's people don't have victory? That's a great question. If, if our attitude is so important and our spirit is so vital to what God wants to accomplish in us and through us, then why is it that so many of God's people live defeated lives? Maybe the problem is the man in the mirror. Maybe our problem <clears throat> is not our circumstances because, hey, let's face it, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You know, all of us have bad circumstances. All of us face negatives in life. But maybe the problem is not those things. Maybe the problem is the man that we look at in the mirror. You know, if I have a problem with everyone and everything, you ever met somebody like that? <laughs> doesn't, matter who, doesn't matter what you talk to them about or who you talk to them about, <clears throat> the problem is with everybody else in the world. I got a problem with him, and I got a problem with her, and I got a problem with that, and I got a problem with this, and they got a problem with everybody and everything. Hey, somebody once said to me, could it be the problem is with thee? <laughs> Waxing poetic for you this morning. <clears throat> could it be, hey, if everybody else is the problem, if everything else is the problem, if there's nothing good in anybody, hey, man, all the church members, they hate me and all the, and uh, man, nobody spoke to me and nobody did this or nobody did that and I got a problem with him and I got a problem with her and I got a problem with them. Hey, could it be that I'm, I need to look in the mirror every once in a while and say, you know what, maybe I'm the problem. Kind of like the guy who walked around talking about how much the world stank. Come to find out he had Limburger cheese stuck in his mustache. You know. The whole world stank because it wasn't the world, it was him. Hey, I'm simply saying, you know, my dad used to use a term that I used to come to dread. Whenever my dad looked at me and said, son, it's time for an attitude adjustment, that wasn't mean we were going to a baseball game at night. <laughs> that didn't mean that we were going to have some father-son quality time and he was going to go in the backyard and throw baseball with me. No, that meant we were going to have a powwow. He'd say pow, and I said wow. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, uh, so I came to dread the term attitude adjustment, but I knew exactly what that meant. You know, sometimes we need to look at our own attitude and ask ourselves if our attitude reflects the spirit of God that lives inside of us. With all the advantages that I have as a child of God, does my attitude reflect the spirit of God and the word of God and the will of God? I want you to notice several things this morning about this matter of attitude. Number one, attitude is a choice. Whatever your attitude is this morning, whether good or bad, it's, it's the attitude that you chose to have. It's a choice. Uh, isn't it amazing how we like to justify our bitterness or our negative spirit by our circumstances? 
Oh, preacher, I've got a right to have a, a, a grouchy spirit. I've got a right to have a bad spirit. Oh, we do. Why is that? Well, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what my circumstances are. I know what Daniel's circumstances were. Hmm. You see, every time we look for reasons to justify our positions for our poor spirit, we find somebody like Daniel. And that just makes it all cave in, doesn't it? I mean, here's a young man who had, every, humanly speaking, had every reason in the world to say, God's not been good to me. But wait a minute. He had an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. Brother John Bishop, <clears throat> he's an evangelist, and many years ago he was stricken with, <clears throat> with a, uh, a, a, a hor horrific uh, physical condition and spinal meningitis. And he and Brother Kirby Campbell have been preaching together a lot the last couple of years. And Brother John Bishop said this. He said, I may be sick but I don't have to have a bad spirit about it. I may be a sick man, <clears throat> but I don't have to get angry at God about it. I may, uh, I may feel like life has dealt me a bad, a bad hand, so to speak, but I don't have to have a bad spirit. Hey, there's still a God in heaven. He still has a plan for my life. Abraham Lincoln said, I have found that most people are about as happy as they choose to be. Most people are about as happy as they choose to be. I'm simply saying your attitude, whether good or bad this morning, is your choice. You got a bad spirit, an angry spirit, a bitter spirit, a wounded spirit. <clears throat> hey, I'm simply, hey, I understand bad things happen to good people. You say, preacher, do you understand that? No, I don't. Hey, I'll tell you something else I don't understand. I don't understand why good things happen to any of us. We don't look at it from that angle, do we? Why do bad things happen to good people? <clears throat> I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not God. I have no idea. But I also know this. We're all sinners. Under the condemnation of our sin, which is death and hell, and yet the Bible says he makes it rain. He, make, he calls it rain on the just and the unjust. Man, why does good things happen to anybody? I don't know that either. I'm simply saying, hey, if I've got a, I can choose to have a good spirit. I can choose to have a right spirit. I can choose to have an excellent spirit. Number two, our attitude is reflected in our face. Our attitude is reflected in our face. You know, our countenance tells on our spirit or tells about our spirit. Listen to me, fellas. Our countenance tells off on what's in here. The Bible says over in Genesis chapter 4, of course, it records the very first murder in the scriptures where Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. <clears throat> and it says in Genesis chapter 4, before that happened, Genesis chapter 4, verse number 5, it says, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth. He was angry. He was ticked off. And his countenance fell. His countenance fell. His spirit went south, and his face followed long suit. Hey, his bitterness crept in, and it, and it was evident on his, on his visage, on his countenance, on his face. People could look at, at Cain and say, something's wrong with him. Something's not right. Hey, our face is a mirror of what's going on inside of us. And, and, and when there's, I, hey, I understand, I don't expect you to walk around with a, a big old grin on your face all the time necessarily. People might wonder what's going on. Uh, but, uh, but, hey, I'm saying that there ought, to be, there ought to be a contentment about us, and there ought to be, uh, there ought to be a pleasantness about us. That There ought not to be that, that, uh, that attitude and that countenance that says, you know, things, my heart's not right. What does your countenance say about you? 
What is your opinion? Now everybody's smiling. <laughs> and in just 30 seconds, everybody in the building is grinning. But, uh, <clears throat> but really, our countenance ought to tell others, you know what, God's been good to me. God's been good to me. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13, the Bible says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. I'm simply saying, hey, you know what? <clears throat> the, the, those of us who are saved and those of us, when we, our name's written in the Lamb's book of life. God is our Father. The, you know, the Bible's my book. Heaven's my home. Jesus is my older brother. Hey, there ought to be something about that that causes me to smile every once in a while. It's good for you. I notice also this, number three, our attitude shows on, on our countenance, number, number one, uh, our attitude is our choice. Number three, <clears throat> attitude has consequences. Our attitude carries consequences. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 28, we read it as our text a, a little while ago. The Bible says this, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that hath no rule over his own spirit or his own attitude, so to speak, is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Back in Bible days, you know, there was, a, uh, there was customary for walls to be uh, surrounded by, I'm sorry, cities to be surrounded by huge walls. It was, it was a defense mechanism. It kept the enemies out. And, uh, and there were watchmen that were placed at, uh, uh, periodically and, and uh, spaced out around the walls of the city to make sure that if a, an enemy approached, that watchman would sound the alarm and, and warn the armies and warn the king that, hey, there's impending danger. But a city that had no walls was a city that was defenseless. A city that had no walls was a reproached city. A city that had no walls was, uh, was suspect to being uh, uh, robbed and looted by, by uh, bands of, of, uh, of folks who would come and, uh, and destroy the wealth of that city. Hey, I'm simply saying the Bible compared that city to a man who has a bad attitude, who has a broken spirit, a wounded spirit. You know, an attitude has consequences. When, when my spirit is not what it ought to be, I'm, I'm vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. I'm vulnerable to, to, to the, uh, uh, the bad circumstances of life. I said a little bit ago, uh, bad circumstances, they're not unique to just a certain group of people. They're for all of us. But I take you back to, look back at Proverbs 18 again. We read it just a few moments ago, but I want you to see this. Proverbs chapter 18, and look at verse 14. The Bible says this, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. That's a very important truth, a very important nugget for you to, to catch on to. <clears throat> Everybody's going to have infirmities. But the Bible says a man's spirit, or if you will, a healthy attitude will sustain or will help us in our time of infirmity. But when my spirit is not right, when, I, when I'm not what I ought to be, when I don't spend time with the Lord as I should, and by the way, we'll get to some things here in a few moments that will help us with our spirit, but when those things aren't right, I am vulnerable to all of the attacks of Satan, all of the circumstances of life, all of the negativity that comes down the pike, and it just makes things worse. Our attitude has consequences. By the way, a good attitude is contagious. A good attitude is contagious. A good spirit is contagious. You know, I, I, there, there are some folks, I just, I look forward to getting around them because their attitude is contagious. And I want some of what they have. 
You know, folks who are uh, they're, they're effervescent, they're smiling, and, and uh, you know, they're on top side, so to speak. You know, you enjoy, everybody enjoys being around folks like that. Think about a man right now. How many times have I heard Brother Finley say over the last 20 years, he said, man, when that guy, when I see his number come up on, <laughs> on my caller ID, I thought, <clears throat> I think, do I really want to answer this call? He said, because, he says, preacher, <clears throat> let me just tell you about it. And he said, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. And he said, most of what he's going to say, it ain't good. And, uh, and he said, when I, by the time I hang up with him, <clears throat> I'm about halfway discouraged <laughs> myself. You know what? Nobody likes to be around people that way. You know, everybody is drawn to people who are positive, people who, are, who have a, a wonderful spirit about them. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Attitude has consequences. A bad attitude, or a good attitude rather, is contagious. A bad attitude is contaminating. It's contaminating. A bad attitude is damaging to your health, by the way. It's damaging to your health. It ain't good for you. Uh, so, <clears throat> attitude has consequences. Number four, I, I got to hasten. I want to get uh, to the helps here. Number four, attitudes can be conquered. Here's the message. We're in point number four, and I finally got to the message. Aren't you happy about that? But uh, <clears throat> attitudes can be conquered. Attitudes can be helped. Hey, a city whose walls have been torn down is vulnerable, but I got good news for you. Walls can be rebuilt. Walls can be rebuilt. Hey, if you're here struggling with your spirit this morning, if your attitude isn't what it ought to be, if, you're, if you find yourself, man, I'm always down, down in the dumps, man, life is, is horrible, and I just don't know what to do, preacher, can you help me? Hey, the Bible has the answers. The Bible has the answers. Attitudes can be conquered. If your attitude isn't what it ought to be, if your spirit is wounded or damaged, it can be repaired. It can be helped. So important that we keep the right attitude. The answer to our frustration is not to sit around waiting for, an, for, waiting for a utopian, no problem situation. That's not going to happen. Here's, here's where we get in trouble. <clears throat> you know, we, uh, we look around us, we, maybe we go on social media, and, and boy, everybody's posting about every, all the wonderful things that are happening, and then we sit there and we think, man, my life is not like that. <laughs> you notice how nobody ever has a bad day on Twitter? You know, I, I've got some, uh, I follow a few folks on, on Twitter and, and uh, some mostly preacher friends from around the country. And, and nobody, no preacher friend ever gets on Twitter and talks about what a horrible Sunday it was. <laughs> nobody ever does that. Man, we had a great day and there's a great moving of the Spirit. And man, the altars were full and people were responding and da-da-da-da-da-da. Nobody ever gets on there and said, horrible day. Wish I'd never gone to church. <laughs> nobody ever says that. You know, and I got a sneaking suspicion you got a lot of friends around the country or whatever, uh, people that you follow or whatever, and, uh, and, and they get on social media and they talk about what a wonderful time they're having and everything's wonderful and, and man, this is just a wonderful day and nobody ever talks about their problem. Well, some people do, uh, but uh, <laughs> we want to go there. But, uh, and then you compare that to your reality and you're thinking, wait, wait a minute, my life's not that good. Man, I've been, I've been dealt a raw deal. This isn't good. And sometimes we, we, uh, we hinge our attitude on our circumstances, and so we just sit around waiting for our, a, some utopian uh, set of circumstances to ease our frustrations and, uh, and have a no-problem life, a problem-free life. It's not going to happen. 
I wish I could stand here and tell you that your life is going to get to a point where you have no problems. Ain't going to happen, okay? But here's the solution. Here's the solution. Proverbs 16, 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Notice what it says. He that ruleth, a, uh, he that ruleth his spirit is greater than the general who takes a city. Controlling over your own spirit. Controlling your attitude, so to speak. The Bible recipe for taking control of my attitude is very, very simple. I want to share that with you in the very few moments that we have left. And I'll, I'll not belabor any of these points this morning, but, uh, but follow me carefully on this. There's a Bible recipe for taking control of my attitude. Number one, confess my sins. Confess my sins. Quit blaming everyone else for your situation. Take ownership of them. Uh, my bad attitude, by the way, is sin, just like the sin that I notice in someone else. We've got to be responsible for our own attitude. Look, don't hand someone else the car keys to your happiness. Don't do it. Don't, hey, you, you, when my spirit is damaged, when my spirit, when my attitude is not what, I, what it ought to be, what I do in essence is I give someone else uh, uh, sway over my attitude over my happiness. And if he doesn't speak to me, then I walk away. Brother Glenn, jerk. <laughs> you know, what have I done? <clears throat> my outlook, my attitude, my poor spirit, basically I gave him control over whether or not I'm happy or not. That's not very smart. Oh, by the way, uh, now, Brother Glenn may mistreat me. I don't think he has recently. Do you know if he has recently? No. Uh, but, uh, Brother Glenn, he hasn't, he hasn't mistreated me at all. But you know what? If, uh, if he does and my spirit isn't what it ought to be, guess what? I'm the loser. I'm the loser. And by the way, if he does mistreat me, my bad attitude toward him or my bad spirit is just as sinful as whatever he did to me. Confess your sins. The Bible says confess your faults. At 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, first of all, for, as far as me taking control of my attitude, confess my sin of having a bad spirit. Number two, change my focus. Change my focus. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Focus on the goodness of God and not the grief of your circumstances. And here's a big one right here, okay? Our spirit is so fragile sometimes, our spirit is so wounded sometimes, it is sickening sometimes, or sickened I should say, because we are so focused on the, on the circumstances of life instead of the goodness of our God. Hey, understand this, God's been good to you. God's been good to you. Oh, preacher, you know what happened to my, you know, you know what happened to me this week? This happened, man, the car broke down, and the kids got sick, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and you know, this happened and that happened. You know what? You can make a list, a long list of, of bad circumstances if you want to, but I guarantee you this, <clears throat> you got a good God. You're here this morning. Your presence in this room tells me that you had health that's, that was good enough to leave your house and come to church. Hey, to God be the glory. What a wonderful God we serve. Hey, I'm simply saying, focus on the goodness of God and not the grief of my circumstances. Focus on the grace of God that is able to see me through. Amen. Understand something. The Bible says that, that God's grace is sufficient for our circumstances. 
I think about the Apostle Paul when he was talking to the, he, was, he besought the Lord three times about his thorn in the flesh. He went to God and said, God, I've got this pain. I've got this suffering. I've got this thing. And, and there's been all kinds of uh, supposition as to what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. And none of us know the answer to that. No Bible scholar knows the answer to that. But suffice it to say, Paul went to God and said, God, I'm suffering. There's something in my flesh. There's this thorn, perhaps a physical ailment of some kind. God, would you take it away? And God said, He went to God three times and said, God, would you take away this suffering? And finally, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. My strength is matured when you're hurting the most. Hey, Paul, I, you don't see it from my vantage point. You don't see my perspective on this. <clears throat> but the fact that you're suffering is ordained by me, and I'm allowing you to go through this. I'll not allow you to be suffer or to suffer more than you're able to bear, Paul. My grace is sufficient. Hey, what we've got to understand this morning, whatever it is you're facing, God has grace to fit that need. Whatever it is you're facing is not it will not exceed the grace of God. He said so. My grace is sufficient. We need to focus on the goodness of God. Focus on the grace of God. Hey, focus on forgiving those who've wronged me. We've got to keep our focus right. Oh, but pastor, my attitude stems from the fact that somebody did me wrong. Okay, God has a word for that. It's called forgiveness. Now, we don't like to talk about that. I'll be honest with you. There's something inside of every human being <coughs> that does not want to forgive. It goes against our nature. It goes against our grain. When somebody does us wrong, it goes against our grain to say, okay, you're forgiven. But wait a minute. It also hurts us when we refuse to forgive. The big loser, you've heard about the big loser? The big loser when we refuse to forgive is us. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Don't miss it. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Hey, <clears throat> the only reason why God could forgive me was because of Christ. But that's the same basis for me forgiving someone who's wronged me. Why? Because Jesus forgave me. Hey, I wronged God. I wronged the creator of the universe. Hey, my sin was an affront to the God of heaven, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And God said, hey, I'll forgive you, but only because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And that's the same foundation for me forgiving somebody who has done me wrong. Wow. Wow. Focus on forgiving someone who's wronged you. Hey, confess your sin of, uh, of a bad attitude. Change my focus. Uh, focus on the goodness of God. Focus on the grace of God. Focus on forgiving those who've wronged me. And then I want you to see number three, the third solution to having a better spirit. Communicate our faith. Communicate our faith. What are you talking about, preacher? Romans 8, 37, the apostle Paul wrote these things. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. You know what the apostle Paul was doing in Romans chapter 8? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he was bragging on the goodness of God. Amen. He was communicating the goodness of God to other people. He said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Hey, you want to improve your spirit? Start bragging on God. Instead of poor mouthing about your circumstances, brag on the one who can fix your circumstances. Brag on him. Communicate your faith. Hey, let's talk about Jesus. Hey, <clears throat> share the gospel. That's communicating your faith. Hey, you want, you, want to help your, you want to help your spirit? 
talk about some good news. Hey, the best news I can think of is the fact that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and was buried. Three days later, rose again from the dead. Hey, that's good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I share that with others, guess what? That helps my spirit. That helps my spirit. The last thing, <clears throat> celebrate our future. You want to help your spirit? Confess your sin of a bad spirit. Want to, want to help your spirit? Change your focus. Want to help your spirit? Communicate your faith. Want to help your spirit? The last thing, celebrate your future. You know what? God is not done with you yet. The last chapter has not been written. You say, preacher, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm down in the dumps. I'm discouraged. My, my spirit is, 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 is terrible. I think this is just the end of it. Oh, no, it's not the end of it. So how do you know that? Because you're still breathing. <laughs> you still have a pulse. You might want to check it just to make sure you're in church now. It's probably as low as it's going to get all week. But, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, God's not done with you yet. Hey, let me give you a verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Hey, God has a work to do in my future. God has a work to do in your future. God is not finished with you yet. Boy, you ought to be encouraged by that. You ought, to take, you ought to take heart with that fact that God has a plan for your life. You know, we teach and preach to young people, boy, give your life to God, give your life to God, and they should. And young people, yes, you ought to give God your life when you're young and when you've got your life in front of you. But, hey, I don't care if you're 107 years old in here tonight or this morning. I don't think there's anybody who's quite reached that plateau yet. But if you're 107 years old, God's got a plan for your life. He's got something he wants to accomplish in you. He's got a will for your life. He's not finished. I love that song the children sing many times. He's still working on me to make me more of what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun, the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. He's still working on me. I'm not a finished product and neither are you. And if you'll let God have his way in your life, if I'll meditate on that, it will change my life outlook. It'll change my attitude. Hey, it'll, it'll strengthen my spirit. A wounded spirit. Who can bear? Hey, I'm simply saying this morning, you can't afford to have a wounded spirit. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Hey, life is going to have its ups and its downs and its potholes and its sinkholes and it's, and it's going to have all of the, the, uh, the, the, the circumstances that are common to man. You're not always going to have wonderful days and wonderful news, but I can tell you something. If you have a good spirit, a healthy spirit? The Bible says the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. You know, if I'll meditate on that, it'll change my attitude from a victim mentality to a victor's mentality. Hey, we got a lot of people running around today talking about how, <clears throat> how much of a victim they are. You know what? God's people shouldn't do that. Because the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more than conquerors. Hey, we're, I, I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning team. Hey, I've read the last chapter of Revelation, <clears throat> and I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Hey, I end up in heaven. Hey, <clears throat> you know, I I'm on the side where Jesus comes back one day, and he comes back for his own in the clouds. It's called the rapture of the church. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, I read about that, and I thought, man, hey, I'm on the winning side. 
And then I read a little bit further where it talks about seven years after that happens, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set up his millennial kingdom on this earth. And the Bible says that we are going to rule and reign with him. Hey, if you're saved, he's talking about you. Man, that's awesome. That's great. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, eternity in heaven with him. Wow, man, that's awesome. Why in the world, why in this world should I walk around as a defeated child of God? doesn't make any sense. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Hey, we're on the winning side. Let's have a winner's spirit. Let's have a winner's spirit. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then guess what? You have a right to be concerned. You have a reason to be concerned. Because my Bible says that those who die without Christ will spend eternity separated from God in a lake of fire called hell. That's horrible. That's horrible. But you don't have to go there. If you're, here this, if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your Savior. You're among, you're among friends, and we want to help you. and We want to show you the best news in all the world, the, the, the news that, that single-handedly can change your entire outlook, not just your spirit, but your, your destiny. And that's the, the, the good news that Jesus Christ loves you, died on the cross to save you, rose again from the dead after three days, and if you'll simply by faith receive him as your Savior, Jesus said, I promise you, I promise you I'll save you. I'll give you a home in heaven. What a wonderful reality that can be for every person in this room, if you'll let it be. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.